On tonight's episode, we'll be discussing the most visually interesting and thoughtful drama to ever feature Nick Nolte and an uncontrollable rage monster. No, I'm not talking about Bobby Knight and Blue Chips. I'm, of course, referring to acclaimed director Ang Lee's foray into the superhero genre, 2003's Hulk. Ew. Hulk sad. Hops and box office flops. A place where we can celebrate the underdog films, the bombs, the disasters, the much maligned movies that have drowned in their infamy. So please sit back, grab a beer, and enjoy the show. Welcome and thank you for joining us for the 103rd episode of Hops and Box Office Flops presented by Wobam Entertainment. We are the Google Web's premier podcast dedicated to poorly reviewed and or financially unsuccessful films. Tonight, as the fifth and final installment of our Hops and Heroic Flop series, we will be discussing what is one of the strangest entries into the modern superhero genre, Ang Lee's Hulk. Joining me on tonight's pod is David Banner's dog walker, the Thunderous Wizard. You have no clue how dangerous your ignorance has become, Chubzilla. That that would be the definition of ignorance. So, yep, I think, maybe, I don't know. I'm just saying Nick Nolte is the only watchable thing about this thing, so. He is given 110% in this movie, that is clear. It's like a combination of Down and Out and Beverly Hills and like six other Nick Nolte roles, because he's like mostly looking like a disheveled homeless guy, but then he's... Got anger problems like another Nick Nolte character. It's a real virtuoso performance. I mean, we talk about Cage going Cage. This is Nick Nolte being the truest Nick Nolte. Slightly crazy, down and out, like all over the place. Just great Nick Nolte. Mm -hmm. We also have Sam Elliott's onset mustache groomer, Captain Cash. Stay away from my mustache. It is the purest expression of my soul. <laughs> and of course, we have Jennifer Connelly's stunt double, Mayor McCheese. When you get right down to it, we have the same body. It's a fact. That's, that's true. Fact. Uh, it doesn't make me happy to know that's the truth, but it is. Yeah, your your it wife is, is a lucky woman. True. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> You can find the pod on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Hops and B.O. Flops, and anywhere you can download or stream finer podcasts. You can also find me talking about daddy issues, Jennifer Conley, and bad movies on Twitter at Chumpzilla8. Or in your basement on Wednesdays. That too. Gentlemen, where can the listener find you on the socials? As always, I can be found at C-A-P-T-C-A-S-H on most of your social media. When I'm not in Chumpzilla's basement for the free coffee, I am at HBOF McCheese. You can find me restoring the Snyderverse at WriterTLK on Twitter. It'll never end. It will never end. <laughs> no, never it won't. End. And don't forget you can check out Wobam Entertainment at Wobam E-N-T, that's W-O-B-A-M-E-N-T on Twitter and Instagram for all the gamma irradiated pop culture content you can handle. Which is like one to two articles max, or I, I think it depends on how many like millicuries they generate or something. Good call. Well, yeah. it also depends on whether or not your abusive father accidentally uh, gave you a serum um, that would later 
mutate you into an uncontrollable rage monster. Like if you have that, you could consume a lot of irradiated gamma materials. If you don't, point. you'll probably True. die. True. And uh, a healthy dose of nanomeds would probably help too. Maybe, I whatever. Anyway, that brings us to beer. And for tonight's pod, we have yet another hazy IPA. This time, it's New Belgium Brewing Company's Captain Dynamite IPA. It's a seasonal rotational beer for them. I selected Captain Dynamite for the last installment of the Hops and Heroic Flop series because it, it's got a superhero-adjacent name, and the can art is green, just like tonight's titular hero. I say, if we had to do this right, this, was, this can alone was absolutely right for the uh, Green Lantern pod, but here we are. Yeah. I don't know. It's got some yellow in it, but I suppose that's that fits for Parallax, too. Although, I think counts. with the yellow on the can, I don't think Green Lantern could drink it. He right. could, but it would kill him. I, it would, yeah. To be fair, when Green Lantern watches his own movie, he needs more than beer. He requires gin. So That's fair. That's fair and factual. Uh, Captain Dynamite checks in with a Captain Cash-approved ABV of 7.7%. Mwah! pours a hazy pale amber color with about uh, one finger of head give or take it's very much in the style of a pine heavy west coast ipa with citrus and malt notes as well it's a little bitter but i think it's still very drinkable it's a solid ipa but i wouldn't call it one of my favorites so i'll give it one and a half bad movies gentlemen what are your beer thoughts and rankings because i think luckily tonight we were all able to get our hands on this beverage yeah, I, I'm going to disagree with you, Chumzel. I think this is a three-movie beer. Uh, I like it a lot. It's my, It's been my go-to beer for, I think, since you recommended it about a month and a half ago. It's not, while aggressive, it's not as aggressive as some of the other ones we've done on the pod, where it's like you're chewing a plant. There's a lot of flavor there. And being an IPA man, this is, uh, this is up there um, in my rotation currently. I, I like it a lot. Oh, right on. Thunderous Wizard. Uh, actually, I agree with uh, McCheese. I don't think this is that harsh at all. Um, and, you know, I mentioned a couple pods back that I was sort of burned out on IPAs, but this one's pretty good. I would give it probably two and a half, two and a half movies, maybe just two, but I like it, yeah. No, right on. And Captain Cash, what's your take? I Listen, I was pleasantly surprised. Uh, this has a pretty intense nose, so when you you take a quick whiff, it's like, oh, that's going to be hoppy. This is going to taste like a pine cone. But you drink it, and it it is incredibly smooth, especially at seven and whatever percent. So, I mean, you know, charitably, it, 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 it this is at least a two and a half movie beer. Might be a three of the IPAs we've had on this pod. This might be my favorite. And I, I will give out a golfer's clap to uh, Chumzilla for finding this because I, I drink a lot of New Belgium, but I, they make so many different Voodoo Rangers nowadays. I don't pick up a bunch of the random offshoot ones, and I'm glad this one got thrown into the mix. Well, I was happy to bring it to your attention. Yeah, it's not bad, but for my taste, it's just not citrusy enough. That's probably my biggest complaint. I actually anyway, kind of I, I like that it's not that citrusy. So different strokes, I reckon. I think that's. I'm with Captain Cash. I think that's helping me. Uh, When it's more acidic, I can't drink a whole bunch of them. You got a very sensitive tum-tum, Thunderous Wizard. I do. You know, I do. I do. (laughs) 
Well, that brings us to the tale of the tape for Hulk. It was released in June of 2003. Uh, it went up against a contemporary uh, release, summer release uh, lineup of Charlie's Angels, Full Throttle, 28 Days Later, and the blockbuster from Justin to Kelly. What? What? Yeah. Um, the runtime is 138 excruciating yet artful minutes. I, and I, mean, I think you needed to underline excruciating in your notes because, yeah, Christ, this feels it feels yeah. like it takes forever. Yeah, it feels like a very long two plus hour movie. The budget for this thing was one hundred and thirty seven million, give or take. And they had a box office return of 245 million so it failed to double its budget and they certainly marketed the crap out of this so yeah this did not make any money for universal in fact it holds the box office record for the biggest week two drop for a movie that opened at number one so after hulk opened at 62.1 million in its first week the second week it saw a 70 percent drop so not good. This movie opened relatively strong and then whoosh, word of mouth did not help it one bit and it did not get any legs. To put that in like perspective, that is a gigantic drop because it's 60 something million to drop 70% is horrific. Like when Batman vs Superman dropped 68, it made 165. So it's like, uh, that's a big drop though. But to make 60 and then drop 70, yeah, people were like, what the f- what the hell, man? <laughs> what was that? Yeah, I mean, so the, the movie basically only made like less than $20 million in its second week. Uh, so, someone, yeah, brutal. Someone who knows more jog my memory, where is this in the timeline of all the comic book movies? I know we got multiple Hulks, but like, was there anything big before this? This is post-X-Men 2. This is... Yep. Post Blade Two, this is what else was contemporary. This pre-Spider-Man is pre Spider Man Two, by like a yes, year, right? Pre Spider Man Two, but after Spider Man, but after Spider Man. Yes. But uh, I mean, it, it was movies were getting big. I mean, Ang Lee was an Oscar nominated director, so it's oh yeah, like, I mean, not just nominated. Two years prior to this, he won for Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Yeah. So, which is why he got this movie effectively. He was a big deal, and uh, yeah. Yeah, just... And I mean, listen, I, I don't think the problem with this film is the direction necessarily, right? There's a lot of, of clever camera work that happens throughout this thing. It is very arty. I just don't know who this movie's for. Yeah, and I think it's worth noting there isn't a lot of behind-the-scenes drama in terms of the production of this film itself. But Universal had been trying to get a Hulk movie off the ground since about 1993. Because, because of weird rights issues, this was not held by Marvel proper. This was part of Universal. And to this day, Universal still owns the distribution rights to the Hulk character. Hence why uh, The Incredible Hulk is still not on Disney+, and the Hulk cannot have a solo movie within the MCU. Yep. Yep, yep. They got to get that figured out eventually because I'm sure Mark Ruffalo would love to have his own movie. Uh, anyway, uh, but it, yeah, I guess it is worth noting too that at least $10 million had already been spent on previous scripts and pre production work for the previous iterations of the film. So there was some money in that budget number. 
the Rotten Tomatoes score is 62%, and the user score is lower at 29, which is kind of an anomaly. Usually the user score is a bit higher, but not in this case. That's pretty brutal. That's a little harsh. That is an aggressive swing. That's a a little harsh. And I think, again, that is because of the arty nature of this movie and the fact that there are some pacing issues for a superhero film. Ang Lee's a great director. This is a very competently done movie, but it's not very fan-friendly. I will say that. Uh, Metacritic gives it a 54 with a user score at a more reasonable 5.2. And you can find this on Hulu and Sling with a subscription, or you can rent it from most of your streaming services for $3.99, give or take. I think that subscription is what, Cinemax? I think that's what it yelled at. It yelled at me for Cinemax, I think. It's on Stars. Yeah, or Stars. stars. Once again, my wife's addiction to Outlander pays off. (laughs) Excellent. As we've mentioned before, the director was Academy Award-winning Ang Lee, and it stars Eric Dirty John Banna as Bruce Banner, a.k.a. The Hulk. We have Jennifer Hulk to Hulk Conley as Betsy Ross. Nick, this movie is the reason for my crazy mugshot Nolte as David Banner, Bruce's father. Sam, the stranger Elliot as General Thunderbolt Ross. I want to mention this now. I do not like this Sam I am. I don't like Sam Elliott as the as a uh, military guy. One, they ruined his mustache. It's crooked and weird the whole movie. And two, this is not the Sam Elliott I know and love. Okay, so it's funny you mention that because when I was looking up some complaints about this movie online, it's like, how dare you shame Sam Elliott's mustache? <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, I, it's, this it's is not still my there. But yeah, it's, it's, it's tight. But it's tight cropped. And they were high and tight, yeah. high and tight mustache. Yeah, so fun fact, I did not have this in my notes, so since you mentioned it, Mary McCheese, we'll talk about it now. Um, <clears throat> Sam Elliott was going to shave his entire mustache for this movie. because he did not like th- that Sam Elliott either. Yeah, that's he, like, that's the it, darkest it, timeline. <laughs> the darkest timeline is where everyone has mustaches except Sam Elliott. That's how you know you're in the darkest timeline. Yeah, I, I, I don't want to loop us back to the the, I don't know the pain of last week, but if we had the nightmare sequence and Sam Elliott sitting next to the Joker with no mustache, I'm believing that nightmare sequence. That's <laughs> ten times scarier. Right. Yeah. Somebody who does voices better than me do Sam Elliott saying, how about a truce, Bruce? <laughs> how about a truce, Bruce? Yes, there, there you go. I just, uh, I, I, every time I saw him, every time I saw him as four star general, I'm like, come on, Sam Elliott, this isn't you. (laughs) We live in a society. Cougars. So, yeah, he wanted to be clean shaven for this because he didn't think it was appropriate for an army general to have a mustache. Ang Lee had to convince him to keep it. And for some reason, they butchered it. I respect his commitment to, you know, what would be right for this is a completely shaven yeah. And shout out to young version of uh, Thaddeus Ross. Uh, I thought that guy looked a lot like a young Sam Elliott. That was pretty good. I thought it was CGI I, at first, but then I looked it up. Nope, that was actually just a different actor. Yeah, no, all of the young everyone, including the baby they got to play baby Eric Bana. I was like, no, I can totally believe that child grows up yeah. to be Eric Bana. Credit to the casting director there. Uh, and again, <laughs> welcome back to the pod, Sam Elliott from The Big Lebowski. And we've got and Josh Ghostwriter. Wait, no, not that Ghostwriter. Yeah, the other Ghostwriter. <laughs> and we've got Josh, Sweet Home Alabama Lucas as Talbot, 
And we also get cameos from Stan Lee and Lou Ferrigno as security guards. And that really pretty much is the cast. This movie is pretty small in terms of the cast. It's a very intimate movie. It's, It's like this huge personal story about these people who have known each other basically their entire lives. Everybody is interconnected in some way. Yeah. Well, except for Talbot, who's just a total dickhead. <laughs> he's just—he's there he's just to be like dogs. the B plot. Yeah, there's three dogs. That's true. But yeah, <laughs> Talbot's just here to be a B plot antagonist. And I, I, we'll get to when we get to the plot. So, but I have some thoughts about their dynamic, uh, the love triangle there. But anyway, as in, as in, it's not believable. <laughs> it's very that flimsy she, that she ever dated Talbot. Well, I mean, whatever. I mean, Josh uh, Lucas isn't unattractive, but you put him next to Eric Bannon, and you're like, yeah, all right, come on. I mean, you know, different strokes, but... He's just a jerk. Yeah, pretty much. Okay, that brings us to one-liners. IMDB describes the movie as follows. Bruce Banner, a genetics researcher with a tragic past, suffers an accident that causes him to transform into a raging green monster when he gets angry. Um... I mean, that's a good description of kind of the Hulk. Not really this movie. Yeah, that doesn't cover half the familial shit, the shit that happens yeah, in God. this movie. Yeah. Like, like, so that's a pretty disappointing uh, description there, IMDb. Yeah, like, uh, are you describing the show? Like, does he walk just away like, sad at the end? <laughs> or what's, like, what's They're describing on? the general concept yeah. of the Hulk. Yeah, yes. that's just the character of the Hulk. Kind Big, of. green, right, anyway. angry. Hulk smash, yeah. mm-hmm. smash, thunderclap. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that's basically it, but it leaves out the massive amount of daddy issues and waxing philosophical on the nature of man that we got in the actual film. But anyway, Mr. Wizard, how would you describe this movie in one sentence? Well, that's easy. It's the Incredible Sulk. <laughs> <laughs> sad. Hulk so sad. sad. Oh, sad. All right. Mary McCheese, what you got? Mine's more of a warning. Ang Lee's Hulk is like the ghost pepper. If you decide to consume it more than once, then that pain is on you, moron. (laughs) You know what's sad is we used to watch this movie all the time in college. You're idiots. Uh, Yeah. Uh, That's a fair point. Captain Cash and I saw this at The Princess. Oh, we're like, wow. we're like, shout out to the Princess Theater in <laughs> yeah. Oxford, Ohio. We're like, that wasn't so bad. There's no way that still exists, right? <laughs> no, I think they tore it down. All right, thank you for that, Mary McCheese, Captain Cash. What's your one liner? Crouching Hulk, hidden penis. I mean, okay. I listen. Listen, there are multiple gonna... times his pants are off, and they, uh, they virtually yes. do an yeah, Austin just... Powers. Just once, isn't it? Just one time. It's uh, yeah, there's dogs. Just, he only yeah. loses his pants after the dog. Because I, I can tell you, the directors are very specific about that. He's got stretchy, fancy underpants on throughout the entire movie, so that's why he never ends up nude, except for the dog scene, because that scene, the, it's implied that the dogs ripped his pants off. <laughs> I'm not making this up. That, that is the writer's and, and whatever people's excuse. Why his stuff doesn't get shown the rest of the time it's because he's got super lycra stretch pants but in that scene the dogs do rip it off he's wearing wearing like dockers like come on he i don't he's very heavily vested in he's very heavily vested in the early version of me undies p.s me undies you want to sponsor us here's your opportunity 
Well, thank you for that, Captain Cash. And uh, all right, so here's my one-liner. From the acclaimed director of Sense and Sensibility, The Ice Storm and Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, comes the most thoughtful, well-shot, and painfully boring movie ever to feature a superhero punching a mutant dog in the balls. <laughs> After that dog has bit him in the dick. Yes, this is all yeah. very true. Mm-hmm. A lot of genital mutilation. Okay, so let's move on to the plot. And I will try to keep this relatively brief, but it's probably not as brief as it should be. But uh, take Mary McCheese's advice. Uh, listen to this pod and uh, don't watch this movie. There are 42 minutes with no <laughs> Hulk in your Hulk movie. Yeah. Yes, that's a fact, folks. Yep. All right, I'm going to need a beer for this. Hulk fact. That's not entirely true. There's a lot of artful shots of Eric Bana staring into his closet and or mirror at the, at the shadow of the Hulk. There's, a, there's also way too many. <laughs> and I said this earlier when we were talking amongst ourselves. When someone told Ang Lee to make a comic book movie, he took that absolutely way too seriously. He went and looked at several comic books and was like, I can shoot this. And so we get a lot of panning, clipped, cutting shots of him being a scientist for 40 fucking minutes. True story, though. The comic panel shots are like my favorite part of the movie. So I, no, I, very I, clever. Hate, I like that. I yeah, hate very it. Well done. Yeah. I absolutely yeah, hate it. Uh, we'll get to that in our impressions. Let's get on with this plot because there's a lot of Because there's this, so I much. Guess. So much for the plot. first 40 minutes. Um, so in this movie, Ang Lee takes some liberties with the Hulk's 90s era backstory. He keeps the daddy trauma angle and adds the twist of Bruce and his strange dad being uh, father-son geneticist. And another change is Bruce's powers are not the direct result of gamma radiation, uh, but instead the result of a genetic mutation passed down to him from his self-experimenting father, which is then activated by gamma radiation and maybe some nano meds too that Bruce is working on. I, I, I'm not really sure. So I'm moving on. Someone give me the two minute rundown on this. Is this comic accurate or is this just whatever for the movie? <sighs> yes and no. Like I said, in the nineties, they tried to tie, uh, David Banner's, I'm sorry, that's his dad, Bruce Banner's, uh, issues and emotional problems to some trauma from his abusive father. That wasn't an original part of the character from the 60s. Well, the short version is that the Hulk is basically Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde crossed with Frankenstein's monster invented by a couple of nerds on acid in the 60s. Basically, he just turns into the Hulk at night. Originally, he's gray, but because of a goofy printing error with comic books, they eventually turn him green. But literally, it's this guy pushes a kid into a ditch, gets hit with a, a gamma radiation from a bomb, and now just turns into the Hulk. But in the 90s, they tried to go a little further because, oh, radiation doesn't give you magic powers, didn't quite fly in the 90s. So now they're doing, oh, there's lingering trauma for why he's got a Hulk personality. And, oh, maybe, maybe there's something genetically weird with Bruce Banner where gamma radiation would kill most people, but for whatever small percentage of the population has this quirk that turns them into gamma monsters. Okay, That's so the short version. Basically, he's the Hulk because of gamma radiation. Nothing. The rest of this stuff doesn't come into play until later. Yeah, exactly. Okay, okay. That's all I really wanted to know. Thank you. Yeah. Yep. 
Okay, so the basic plot of this movie involves Bruce living under an adoptive surname and having no recollection of his early childhood or biological parents. We, the audience, learn his father, David Banner, was working on a government super soldier project that involved the genetic enhancement of the human immune system. David's plan to begin human testing is shut down by a young and seemingly irrationally angry army guy, Thaddeus Ross. This forces David to test his theories on himself, and sometime later, baby Bruce is born. Back to formula? <laughs> Listen, all I want to say is the first five to ten minutes of this is shot in a very David Lynch way, where there's yeah. lots of close-ups on lots of mundane things, except they're sickly and poisoned, and the closer you look, the grosser it gets. And there's a lot of child-in-peril stuff going on. It It's disturbing. Yeah, and he also, like, forcibly chokes, like, a sea slug, and it's like, oh, this guy's bad news. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very unsettling. Once his clandestine testing is discovered, David is kicked off the project. David had hoped to cure his son of the genetic anomaly that he had passed on to him, but now with no lab to work in, he decides to kill toddler Bruce out of mercy as a last resort. Dark stuff. Yeah, I had some yeah. serious issues with, with this portion of the... Because uh, at this point, like he could have gotten away without committing any crimes, but then he decides to blow up a army research base and then murder his toddler. And it's like, yeah. no, just be like, oh, shit, I got fired. Because he then later goes and builds a lab in his, like, shanty town house, which is the house on Niebold Street. Yeah, and, right. And has everything he needs. So was this necessary? I don't I don't quite understand. Well, I mean, it yeah. also gets super dark later in the movie where I think he's talking to, is he talking to Jennifer Connelly and, like, explaining everything? And he's like, I had, I had thought about killing him from the day he was born. And you're like, Whoa, dude. Yeah. Kind of brutal. Yeah. Like, he's like, I should have ended it the second he was born. I'm like, oh, my God. It's like, and why? I'm I'm really, because he's fine now. He's lived his entire life for 30-something years. What was, I, I mean, it's just like. there. Yes, <sighs> there was no issue to the genetic and, mutation right. without a spark, without a catalyst. It meant nothing. Like, it just meant yeah. he, held, he healed faster. It's like, oh, sweet. My kid can do whatever the hell he wants. Yeah, there was literally no imminent threat. But Yeah, a Ang Lee went full dark. Yeah. Uh, yeah, David's plan goes horribly wrong when he accidentally kills his wife during a struggle, and then he loses the nerve to kill his son. Bruce witnesses all of this, but represses the memory. That'll come back later, listeners. Yeah, say, which, I mean, maybe good call Bruce, I guess? I don't know. Uh, the rest of the movie deals with Bruce and Betsy, now General Thaddeus Ross's daughter, coping with their daddy issues. David Banner shows back up to haunt his son and becomes a watered-down version of the Absorbing Man. Oh, and he also has some gamma-radiated dogs, too, because this movie needed a scene where the Hulk punches a mutant dog in the testicles. I mean, to I be guess. fair, the Hulk fights gamma mutants is a pretty solid comic pull. Yeah, and apparently this actually comes from a comic where he fights some dogs, I guess, but eh, pretty mad in my opinion. Here's a big question I had, because they, they have the same genetic mutation as him, and he he's like able to rip them apart, basically, and turn them into green fart clouds. Green mist, yeah. Like, yeah. yeah that doesn't seem like a thing. Like He's impervious to most destruction. Like Bullets bounce off him. Uh, if he's hurt, he's, he's healed immediately. 
And yeah. then he's turning wait, wait. his dogs into fart Here clones. is your answer. NTKM. Yeah. Okay. No, actually, that kind no, of movie. no, actually, the movie does explain it. I will push my glasses up here. It's clear that whatever uh, David is working on is not as stable not as whatever as Bruce has. So those are knockoff versions of him. They are not equal to his powers. They are the Kmart version of the Hulk's powers. Okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Knockoff so, Hulk dog. Yep. So General Ross continues to have an irrational hate boner for the band. Which is complicated by the fact that Bruce and his daughter are romantically entangled. Uh, there's also a generic military industrial complex B plot involving wanting to turn the monster into a weapon that leads to a nice action set piece where the Hulk fights the military in a desert. And also, at some point, uh, Ross figures out that Bruce, whatever his last name is, really Bruce Banner. So, yeah, everybody knows who's who. Um, so at this point, basically both the army and David Banner want the Hulk to harvest his power for nefarious reasons. After eluding the army, Hulk finally succumbs to the power of love and is for daddy issue slash resolution slash plot reasons granted a meeting with his father. Uh, yeah, that doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, no, it makes zero sense. His father's going to maximum security prison for the rest of his life. Like, Hey, nutbag. Go ahead and it, rile your killer son up. Didn't we for half an hour? And Ross we, hates both of them. Ross hates them both, but he's like, "Hey, well, let's get you guys together just one last yeah. time. What, what could go wrong?" Did, didn't we just do a movie? I can't remember which one. Where they're like, "You keep them sedated forever. Don't ever let them not be yes, sedated." Uh, Green Lantern. The leader. Yeah, they, they they knew to keep the leader sedated for a little bit, but and so yeah, in this one, not only do they avoid that after realizing what the Hulk is. They also are just like, all right, you know what? This one time you can talk to your kid. You're, I mean, we've locked you away for 30 years and we understand that you have a crazy lab in your own house, but say goodbye. Uh, this obviously the scene makes no sense, but when he <laughs> starts kicking his legs and his arms and he's going nuts and he screams, I'm going to go. You watch me go. I'm like peak Nolte. I'm all in. (laughs) This makes no sense. I don't give a shit. Let's go. Okay, and to be fair, they are seated between, like, two giant, like, electrodes and some sort of, like, Hulk killing machine. And, you know, know, Ross is like, oh, if if they do anything, I'll incinerate them. But then they let Nick Nolte go full Nolte, and it's like, um, you guys are watching this, right? He's losing his shit right here. Turn the machine him. When you say full Nolte, you mean he picks up and starts chewing on the electrical cable that feeds the Hulk killing machine. <laughs> well, that, 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 now that comes after you get a good exchange between Bruce and uh, David, where uh, they both express their desire to kill each other. And Bruce says, I wish you had. Oh, so daddy stuff. I wish I'd never been born, Dad. I learned it from you. (laughs) So angsty. So angsty. And uh, anyway, yeah, to your point, McCheese, David Banner absorbs the Hulk killing machine's power by biting the power cable and briefly becomes a version of the classic Hulk villain, Zax. And Bruce Hulk's out in the background. Uh, Hulk and his father exit the military base to fight in the clouds in a scene that I can only assume inspired the Ride the Lightning scene in Wonder Woman 84. Uh, David, now back into his absorbing man form, overloads himself trying to absorb the Hulk's powers in an effort to stabilize his own body. Bruce allows this to happen in an attempt to find peace of mind, I think, 
and Ross calls for a nuclear-slash-gamma bomb strike on their location, and both Bruce and David are presumed dead. This is not before we get this whole weird background scene of the Hulk in a lake of ice that is his father, and and we get the... You overload the energy feeder scene. Right, where, right. Where, yeah, take all of my power. Oh, it's too much. And I guess that kills the absorbing man. Like, it. what the fuck happens at the end of this film? Well, I think I can explain some of it. Because when the ice starts to form in the lake, Jennifer Conley makes this comment, like, back at the base that, oh, they're absorbing all the ambient energy. So it's worth noting in this version of the Hulk, um, he's got the he gets bigger and stronger the angrier he gets thing going on. So there are actually three distinct models of the Hulk in this movie. There's the first one, there's the medium angry, and then there's the really big Hulk. So the thinking here is the angrier he gets, <clears throat> the more power he's generating. And I guess the theory is that between him sucking energy up from the environment to increase his own power or whatever. And the absorb man trying to absorb that they're actually sucking energy out of the environment, which in theory would start cooling the water to the point it freezes, I guess that's just how much energy is being transferred there. It's yeah, not no, clearly explained, but if you're like a science dork, you get the concept. I guess. Yeah, no, no, no. I, I, I get that. But the end of the film is basically just the Hulk screaming, Yes, take all my power. Oh, it's too much power. And then Gamma Bomb, well, I, the end, I guess. Well, again, David Banner, Nick Nolte's character, is not the perfect version of the Hulk powers. He He's imperfect. He's not stable. So my assumption is he's unable to withstand the blast and the Hulk's power. So the double whammy there. And then the Hulk, being the perfect version of the powers, survives the blast and slips off into the night. Which is essentially what he tells Betty is that I have the same issue, but I'm unstable. And he wants to help Bruce, right? Which is a lie. Right. right. Um, but she never tells Bruce that, so he wouldn't really know. So the, the ending, I've always had a big issue with this movie because I think it looks visually very cool and unique, but it just doesn't make any sense. No, no, it doesn't. Uh, and then, okay, so flash forward a year and we see Bruce in a stereotypical third world jungle running a medical clinic, which is immediately raided by government goons. We finally get a version of the classic line from the Bill Bixby TV series. You're making me angry. You wouldn't like me when I'm angry. Fade to green, thin. Uh, technically, we did get the you're making me angry. You wouldn't like me when I'm angry when Talbot assaults him in his northern california home i don't know uh, if he says you're you wouldn't like me i know he says tell but you're making you're me making me angry. you're making That's me a good point. Yes. yeah we get the full line in, in the teaser yeah. yeah i'm just gonna tell you as a man who's been angry a lot <laughs> <laughs> go on I, I really hated eric banna's decision to like go you're making me angry it's like no that's not how anger works like can we can we do this a little bit more organically please like where he's going <laughs> maybe he's just what no. he's channeling his early batman <laughs> he never got to play that uh, yeah. maybe he was trying out for the character <laughs> i'll admit though he seemed a bit outclassed in that nick nolte scene because nick nolte is just going full bonkers and ban is trying to to keep up and he doesn't he struggles with that manic 
uh-huh. whatever. He just kind of oh, fidgets yeah. a lot. Where are the wrestles bombs. against his restraints. Yeah. Yeah. You show me an actor that's going to compete with Nick Nolte when he's fully loaded on coke. Nick Cage. Yeah. Nick Cage. Let me see. Maybe. maybe. Ooh. The Knicks. There's your. Knicks. That's where it's at. There's your mortal. There's your mortal combat is Cage versus yeah. Nolte in full in full pure Cage Nolte mode. If you would have casted Nick Cage, they would have had to pretend like he was young enough to be Nick Nolte's son, which is worth <laughs> it in itself. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh... I just want to imagine Nick Cage in 2003 going, yeah, I'm, I'm 30. It's fine. <laughs> did totally we? Fine. I think we got that a couple times in different movies, didn't we? F- a fucking Ghost Rider in 2011. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just throw that wig on him again. It'll be fine. Yeah, I, I, I can play 30. Nick, you're 50 years old, buddy. Yeah. All right. Uh, that brings us to our ratings for this movie. I'll go first. I'm going to give this movie a solid five pain beers. There are way too many boring dialogue scenes and far too much chant singing for a Hulk movie. The only thing saving it from a six beer movie rating, in my opinion, is the desert action scene. That was actually pretty good, especially for 2003. Gentlemen, how would you rank this movie? I'm going to start with you, Thunderous Wizard. Yeah. I remembered liking this. I mean, I own it on DVD, and I almost like bought it in preparation for this pod because I saw it for like five dollars, and I'm glad what I did. What don't you own on DVD? I own a lot of crap. I'll tell you, <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you that much. Um, it's five pain. It's it's so so dull. It just doesn't work. And it would be six. You're right. If not for the desert scene, which is actually one of my favorite Hulk scenes ever. I really like that scene especially when he's running through basically that little canyon, like circling the army, you know, attack helicopters. So some of it looks really good. Some of it holds up really well, but... It does, surprisingly well. Man, 2003 is, even though that's early on in all this comic book stuff, it's a little late for this to be so bland. Hulk's such a big character, and I think they try to do too much with the human elements, which... You know, it's kind of the hallmark of the Marvel movies. They've humanized the characters, but I think this just takes that extreme too far. Anyway, we'll jump next to you, Mary McCheese. How do you rate this movie? I'll keep it short. I'm also in the the five beer, five pain beer camp. I like the reserve sticks for stuff that is absolutely unwatchable. Um, so this is this is coming out of five for me. And I don't think I need to explain it because everyone else already has. Yeah, and at over two hours, there's plenty of time for five beers. Oh my god, that I mean that's. The, Okay, that's the only thing I will say. What does this end at? Like two hours and 12 minutes? That is long. An excruciating two hours. There so long. There is 100% a cut of this film that is thir- you know, 30 minutes shorter, and it is just much better. Yeah. yeah. Wait a minute. Why don't we go for the Ang Lee cut, which is clearly 50 minutes longer? <laughs> How many like, oh terrible, God, abusive no. scenes can we force in All right. film? Thunderous Wizard, that's what we got. You can start the hashtag. <laughs> Release the, the Ang, Ang Lee, Lee cut. cut. I don't have, I, well, Oh, it would be so painful. Like, hey, hey, here's 20 more minutes of children yeah. in peril and weird close ups. And just. I, 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 want, I want more dream sequences where. Uh, Jennifer Connelly dreams of herself as a toddler in Eric Bana's arms because that's not weird. It's so, so oh my god, that wow. wasn't strange at all. <laughs> weird. Yeah. You're there. And, and don't forget about the Harry Potter pictures. <laughs> Yeesh. 
Her dreams so are stranger than Happy Gilmore's like unfun zone. Where Peter <laughs> McGavin shows up in a leather jacket and a kiss His mask. Unhappy place. Yeah. Uh, All right. Captain Cash, how do you rate this movie? I, listen, I guess I'll dissent slightly and call it four pain beers. That's fair. I, I just just to be different mostly because look, I really do think some of the camera work that they do is interesting. Like it, it's kind of fun and it does feel like a comic book. But there are 42 minutes into your Hulk movie before we get the Hulk. Come on, Ang Lee. And not only that, the, those 42 minutes are filled with, let's say half of it, let's say 21 minutes are filled with angsty, like family review, daddy issue, just uncomfortable stuff to sit through and be like, hey, I thought this was a superhero movie. Maybe? No? Is he coming? Yeah. When's the Hulk show up? This, this and, feels uh, like, do you remember when they released fucking Godzilla in, what was it, 2014? And they're like, yeah, Godzilla's in this. Yeah, he's in that. It's a two-hour movie. He's in it for the last 30 minutes. It's like, I, I came for Godzilla. What are you guys doing? I was okay with that because it mirrored the original Godzilla and and like Jaws. But this, it's like, why is this so ponderous? I don't understand. Because you got to remember here, like the Hulk is not just the monster of the movie. He's also a person. He's the main character. And it's not like his transformation is a big reveal. The Hulk's on the freaking poster. Like It's not a surprise. There's no like, oh, I wonder what he's going to look like or anything. It's like, there's no reason to delay it. Like, there really is zero reason. Again, I'm buying a ticket to see the Hulk. I'm not buying a ticket to see the Hulk's past family issues. Yeah. So, all right. I think that wraps up our readings for this. And I think I need to grab another Captain Dynamite before we dive into our general impressions, or at least further into them, of Ang Lee's Hulk. And before that, here's a message from our podcasting tag team partners over at the Double Turn. We'll see you guys on the flip side. Hey, what's going on, everybody? I'm Boss Ross. And I'm the J-Man, and we're the Double Turn Podcast. Every Friday, we bring you the best in pro wrestling talk. Whether it's previews and reviews on pay-per-view events, discussing the hottest topics in pro wrestling, or bringing you a look back to some of the best matches and moments in history. We have it all for you. So check us out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and the Anchor app. And you can also give us a follow on Instagram at the Double Turn Podcast. And we will catch you on the flip side. Welcome back, folks, to our 103rd episode of Hops and Box Office Flops, brought to you by Wobam Entertainment. Again, as our fifth and final entry in our Hops and Heroic Flops series, we're talking about Ang Lee's Hulk. We've moped our way through the plots, daddy issues, and now we're on to our general impressions. Um, yeah, I think during the break, we all kind of shared the same opinion. Overall, this movie kind of sucks. <laughs> yep. Um, it's too slow. The Hulk doesn't show up for 40 something minutes. Thunderous wizard even, uh, proclaimed that the poster sucks. Yeah. The poster's terrible. The, the reaching hand is not great. Uh, just to, you know, I don't want to dump on this movie too much because I think it was super ambitious and it, it tried some things that other movies ended up doing a lot better than it did. So maybe it was ahead of its time, but when you have the pedigree of Ang Lee, I just expect a lot more from 
the movie. I mean, he's been uh, he's been nominated for Best Picture three times. Yeah. Well, and to be fair, when you say this movie was ambitious, it's not just visually ambitious in the way he tried to recreate comic panels and splash pages and things like that. But he also wanted this to not just be a generic comic book beat em up movie. He wanted this to be a Greek tragedy. Yeah. And he wanted these these daddy issues to carry emotional weight. And he wanted to get into the core of the character. And that's what he sold all the actors on, you know, to come on for this movie. It's like, oh, this is gonna be a, it's gonna be a interesting character study and all that. And I think ultimately that part of it is the weakest part of the movie because it's not nearly as smart as it thinks it is. But some of the action is actually pretty good. So, I mean, you researched it. Do we know, like, if there were elements of what he was trying to go for that were cut out so it made perhaps less sense? Or, honestly, perhaps the story just couldn't bear the weight that it was trying to make it carry because it is, the plot is not very good. So... No, I don't think he was... uh, Yeah, I don't think Ang Lee had to cut anything. From what I can tell is that he basically got to do whatever he wanted with this movie after uh, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Um, like They were basically like, hey, that was great. That was a great action movie. It was a big hit. We need somebody to take over the Hulk because they've been trying to get this thing off the ground for, for 10 years. Uh, Joe Johnson was involved at one point in time. There are a lot of big Hollywood uh, you, know, uh, pr- you know, producers and uh, directors that were involved trying to get a Hulk movie off the ground. So Ang Lee basically got to do his version. I, I mean, I think one of the problems is it's kind of a know your audience thing, right? Like we were, we were sophomore, well, not all of us, but we were sophomore juniors in college when this came out and it's right in our wheelhouse. And then you go in and you see a very emotionally heavy two and a quarter hour movie when you just want to see a MCU smash them up. <laughs> like, yeah. I think, I think you're selling that chip down the wrong river. I, I think there is room in a Hulk film to get weightier with it and to get more emotional because th- there is that element to the character, but, but not for two hours and change. Like that's yeah. that's the B plot. We're we're here for fucking Godzilla. Let let me see some Smash Smash, please. Yeah, I mean well, you could work you could work that you could work that trauma in there. I mean you could work it in and you could do it in, in not an exposition dump, but you could do it very quickly in the first twenty minutes and be un, like understand that Eric Vanna has problems that he doesn't quite understand. But I mean like they Ang Lee just deep dives into the. Not only at the beginning, but also when Nolte shows back up, like we are just going to drill this like daddy issue point as far as humanly possible. Perhaps the order of the movie is just wrong because it takes way too long for him to get infected with gamma radiation and then become the whole, you know, to your point, Captain Cash. So if you start it with that and then you unfold the flashbacks throughout the narrative and like this is why this is the way it is then you're getting action interspliced with more tragic elements of the story instead of tragedy, 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 really awful special effect for him becoming the Hulk where it's just a green strobe light. Now he's the Hulk. That that was super weird. But no, I, I take your point. If we'd have done some kind of in-media res, like, look, here's a quick Hulk thing. This is why Hulk thing. Okay, this is where we... <laughs> record scratch i guess you're wondering how i got here well 
you know? Yeah. Uh, my big complaint about the dueling daddy issue angle is that Jennifer Connelly's angle with Sam Elliott doesn't really develop. He's just a concerned father. Like that's really their issue is that he's concerned for her safety and she's worried that she, that she might be hanging out with, uh, you know, a couple of rage monsters. Cause I mean, he's already seen what right Nick to Dickens. be concerned. Right. Well, yeah, I mean, he's not like a bad guy in that sense, but you're supposed, there's supposed to be friction there, but she's not either. She's not particularly rebelling either. She just kind of has like a, kind of like a longing for Bruce. I don't know. And then Nick Nolte's not a real human being in this movie. Like his, <laughs> his character does not talk like a normal human being. He's just like a walking philosophy quote machine. <laughs> yeah. Be it's fair. Like, that's just Nick Nolte. Though. Yeah. yeah. Right. He, no, he, I get he is, it. He I is get Nick it. Nolte being Nick Nolte. I mean, her yeah. issue is that her, her dad is, you know, is essentially distant from the get go, but guess what? I, I mean, I, I'm sure if you can find the families of a four-star general, those dudes are so busy. Their family sees them when they can. <laughs> She's 30 fucking five. It's not like he's missing her softball games. Honestly, he's not uh, evil enough. Like, if he wore William Hurt's version of General Thunderbolt Ross, it probably works better, but he has, like, a conscience... You know, like he he starts yeah. to think, oh shit, what I'm doing here is wrong. Whereas he should have been, this is what I've been told to do, and this is what I'm doing. Go away, like that, because that's yeah. the strain on their relationship is that he's all business, right? He's a hard ass, yeah, but he's very clearly a hard ass with a heart, and he does he appears to truly care for his daughter, a heart ass, if you will. Yeah, wow. but we've already spent more time discussing this relationship between not the main character and her father than even needs to be involved in a Hulk movie. That's a fair point. Right. I, I think this movie is better if you just focus on the the supervillain angle with his dad and just focus on the one set of daddy issues. And then at the end, Ross comes in and then that would potentially be something to develop in the next movie. I think the whole dueling antagonist really bogs this movie down. That's just my, and, and we also, we also waste a lot of time with their previous relationship, Banna and Conley oh, uh, where, okay. There's a lot of hallway scenes where I'm like, yes, Oh my God, this has to stop. <laughs> okay. So I'm sorry. I just want to say this right now. That seemed very like, Peter Parker, Mary Jane, Flash Thompson, slash Norman Osborn. Like that whole dynamic of those dorks in the hallway. I'm like, what is this? I got to tell you, there's a lot of cool visual things he does. When uh, Banna's looking at the photograph, and then they like go into the photograph and show you the day, I was like, good God, this sucks. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> like, this is very neat, but this is unnecessary. Yeah. You're entirely so, correct. Wait, it, it's a cool thing, but you're like, what is this in service to? Is, is this happening in the movie? Is this a fantasy? Is this a dream? What is this? Also, what's worse, the living photograph or the freeze frame when Talbot gets exploded? No, uh, I, I don't. <laughs> no, I, I do I am not even there for Talbot yeah, being exploded. Dude, I could watch Talbot <laughs> die on loop. I hate that, that guy. Them doing that in the most comic panel, comic panels of all time. I'm like. I, I, I shuddered at that. I was like, oh, God. If they didn't outline them, does it work better? Yes. Probably. Yeah. 
slightly. Maybe I don't know. The the, the freeze frame really kills me. <laughs> like, wait, what? What? What's going on? The freeze frame and the the pan, like the left or right pan into the next scene. I'm like, God. I'll tell you yeah. what would have made it better. Wonder Woman's chanting. <laughs> we get that in the desert. We get that in the desert. I know. But Talbot dying. It's like the perfect frame. Oh yes, exactly. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. Um, okay, uh, let's do a quick. Uh, rapid fire uh, round of questions here uh would you recommend watching this movie captain cash under no circumstances nope nope there are already a bunch of other movies with hulk in it that are way better there's yep. even a tv series from the late 70s mm-hmm. mayor mccheese i mean unless you want to see the mcu misfire several times no this is not technically the mcu thunderous wizard i say yes what? I, I think it's an interesting enough movie to watch, and I like it better than The Incredible Hulk. So, Which one's that? Uh, Is that the one with... Uh, it's Norton. Norton. Ed Norton. Uh, yeah. I, I don't even remember uh, what happens in that one. I don't think that movie is interesting at it's all. It's tough for me. It's tough for me because you got Tim Roth, though. And Tim Roth <laughs> is pretty good in it. Yeah. And for, I'm not going to lie to you. If next week wasn't Kong... Like I think we should be forcing ourselves to watch the Norton Hulk and then do a pod comparing the Hulks. <laughs> uh, no, just so just so the listener can hear us get more angry and drunk, being like we've watched so many bad Hulk movies at this point. So many Hulks. <laughs> so many Hulks. The way I look at it is this movie is super ambitious, and the Incredible Hulk is not at all ambitious. And Edward Norton has spoken about that on record many many times. Like. They cut that movie to shit. Like he wanted it to be way more interesting, and they're like, "No, this has to be straight up action." Like we don't want people to think it's action. And there is a yeah. apparently a cut of the movie out there that's thirty five minutes longer. Ugh. Yeah. Nope. <laughs> yeah. So that's I will say this: <laughs> we we did that already. I just watched it. Pass. I wouldn't recommend watching either of the Hulk movies. Uh, but I will say this is the one that is more interesting and ambitious. I, I agree with you there, Thunderous Wizard. And the way I've always viewed the Norton Hulk is that's basically an extension of the TV series. It's very much in the same vein as the TV well, series, it, The Hulk's on the Run. It opens the exact same way, which is pretty probably the coolest part about the movie. The, the yeah. gamma radiation yeah. accident is shot for shot from the TV yep. show, which is probably the coolest yeah. part about it. And this this is not my quiz, so I'll mention it now. Ed Norton was actually offered the role of uh, uh, Bruce Banner in this movie. But did not take it because he didn't want to do it at the time, only to come back five years later and do it do it again. Wait, is it five years later when the Hulk came out? The Incredible Hulk? Yes. Yeah, 2008. 2008 how, many, yeah. how many times do we have to do the Hulk? <sighs> Apparently three at least. Yeah. I'm perfectly okay. good with Lou Ferrigno, just in green body paint. Yeah, that's my like big thing. Uh, much better cameo in this movie than in The Incredible Hulk as well. Yeah, I did like the, that. Was I did actually like funny. The, yeah. I mean, they knocked that cameo out early, and it was actually kind of, you know, it was funny. Oh, it was good. Stan I mean, Lee. Yeah, yeah, Stan Lee and Lou Ferrigno. Like, not bad. I like it. Call for clap. Yeah, here are your, mm -hmm. here are your cameos. We're moving on. Next, yeah. Yep. Now we we have forty minutes of serious family issues to delve into, guys. Let's get the cameo out of the way. Yeah, and okay. So next question: Did this movie deserve to flop, Captain Cash? Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's just 
Listen, I, I appreciate the ambitious nature, but sometimes you miss the mark. That's what happens. Listen, you, yep. you, you aim big, you miss big. That's okay. Yep. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna phone mine in and just agree with Cash because this was ambitious, okay. but it's just I mean it's not what it should have been. Yeah, Thunderous Wizard. Hey, listen, uh, I mean this is before the comic book movies took over cinema, like ruled cinema, like they do now. And if you make a boring movie, it's not gonna make money. Cough, cough. Superman Returns. So, you know, this isn't yeah. Spider Man. No. <clears throat> I'm of the same school of thought here. It's not terrible. It's very competent and interesting in parts, but it's just too long and boring for a comic book movie. I think you said it best, McCheese. They really didn't know their audience here. Um, and uh, it's just not as smart as it thinks it is. That's the other thing. If this movie had been like really emotionally weighty and like an emotional experience, okay, that might have worked, but it wasn't. It just seemed like convoluted and boring. But, but again, that's the wrong audience. You're not, you know, people who are going to see like an initial run comic book movie are not going to see an emotionally weighty movie. They're going to see a comic book movie, which is the Hulk smashing shit. Hulk smash. I did not come to feel. I came to smash smash. That's also on captain cash's Tinder profile. <laughs> that's exactly right. I think it's uh <laughs> that's the problem with the Hulk in general. I mean, he correct me if I'm wrong, but the incredible Hulk is the lowest grossing MCU movie. Yeah, I believe or that at is least correct. it's close. And he just Thor two. People really aren't. Yeah, everybody just likes Thor two. Yeah, but people really aren't interested in seeing the Hulk in his own film. It seems, but he's great as a side character that shows up to wreck shop. That's yeah. so I mean, you're saying, like if... that's sort of the thing about the character. Like nobody really cares what's going on with the Hulk personally. They want to see him destroy shit. I will say that there is a bit of a challenge when your character wins fights by getting angrier and he just wins. <laughs> that, like uh, he, he's sort of, and there are really great comic runs. The current run on immortal Hulk is incredible, but a very, you know, movie level depth. You can die for the character is, Oh yeah. He just gets angry and then he gets stronger and then he wins the fight. The end. No matter what you do to him, he gets more angry and gets more powerful. So you can never really beat him. And he is just a, it is a kaiju movie. It's two monsters. It's Hulk versus monster, whatever. He has Which to Which we kind of got with the dogs, but if there was a, like, he fights a cloud at the end. This is proto cloud Galactus in Silver Surfer. But here's the other thing that, that sort of bothered me with this movie as a bit of a non sequitur. We mentioned it. The Hulk literally gets larger throughout the film, depending on how angry he gets. Yeah. So there's like a, a nine foot version of the Hulk. There's a 16 foot version of the Hulk and there's a 20 foot version of the Hulk, all corresponding to how angrier and stronger he gets. And I don't know why, but that annoys the shit out of me. I don't have a good I, reason. And the thing is, I couldn't tell you the difference between the three of them if, if I didn't know that fact, because it's not. What? visually apparent on the screen because he he's always the biggest thing on screen there they is, do it in, they do it in one or two scenes yes. where they show him yeah, growing like, and it, yeah, you see actually, him grow yeah, yeah yeah but i can't but i mean aside from that like it's not to me it's just not visually striking he eats a gamma magic mushroom and as i'd say as a lay person i was more confused when that was happening because i was like is, is the hulk supposed to get bigger as he gets angrier or is that new <laughs> 
it depends on the comic, but yeah, it, it's one of those things that's that is completely unexplained in the film, and thus is a little confusing, honestly. Yeah, the only time I really did notice it was the foam scene when he's trapped in the foam, and he grows his way out of that, basically, right? There's that. There's the scene right outside his house where he gets bigger and bursts through his socks, and then there's the one bit where, oh, yeah. like, he flexes his lat and breaks a the dog, uh, the dog's yeah. jaw. Yeah, which I'm like, that's I don't know well, if that's cool I, or gross. Maybe both. Well, again, I thought that was a flex. So he was just, you know, flexing. And the sock thing, I thought that was just him finishing his transformation. Mm, so again, it there. wasn't clear to it wasn't clear to me in that case. I the foam one did, I guess I did notice it. Like he he kind of like Uber hulked himself out of the foam. Anyway. All right. Well, that's probably a great segue into my next segment, which is thoughts on the movie's three big action scenes. And we'll start with the first one, which is the dogfight, which I can only assume was Mike Vick's favorite scene of the movie. Oh, a very a very 2003 reference. Very nice. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I like the dog fight. I love when he breaks the dog's jaw with his with his lap. That, but otherwise, it's mostly nonsensical. So, <laughs> I, it's, it's too in the dark for me. Yeah. I, I yes, think very the dark. winning the winning fight scene is clearly the helicopter fight scene in the desert because I can see what the fuck is happening. It's it, yeah. It, that's common. We're talking the dog scene here. It is very dark. And fun fact, I think poodles that's only bite like, dicks. Poodles, poodles bite, bite dicks. Dicks. And that's like only like half, I think, of what they wanted to do because they had ILM come in to do the special effects for this, and they had a much bigger um, storyboard for that fight scene, but they had to cut it down because it was just too hard to do at the time. Which might explain the darkness. They might have been hiding some of the CGI by keeping. Oh no! Yeah, dark. I mean, th- think about how many how many CGI scenes are hidden by the dark that make them work. Perfect example is Jurassic Park. That movie's thirty years old. You can go back and watch it, and it's still good because they were smart about how they used it. So it was a good idea to do Hulk CGI dogfight in the dark. But the problem is, you still get stuck with. What's happening in the dog outside of the poodle? The other dogs aren't that visually distinct, right? You've no. got like a pit bull and then like maybe another pit bull. It's a bull mastiff, apparently. My yeah. my big my big complaints. One we've already talked about, which apparently when you kill one of these, they just turn into green dust or vapors. Green uh, mist. Yeah, that's that's them avoiding. Uh, uh, John Lee. Yeah, and then second. And I I don't know if we were recording when we started this, but the fact that all of a sudden, Banna's naked, wandering up to the car, just having that Hulk dick out. (laughs) Show me that dick! Okay, that green Hulk dick! Hold on. Now, why are we complaining (laughs) about this? Because if I recall correctly, during the Snyder Cup, Mary McCheese, you were all about seeing those aqua cheeks. Oh no, I'm so okay seeing Hulk cheeks. And now I'm, you're complaining? I'm, I'm not complaining about Banya cheeks. I'm just wondering, did, like the rest of the movie, he's got elasto pants, which he can go from human to Hulk oh. mode. But you know, it, we talked about this. Is there a point in this fight where his pants yes. get ripped off by one of these dogs? Yes. Correct. Yes. The, the poodle ex- literally bites him in the dick. There's like a beat where you're supposed to laugh at the poodle biting him but in the dick. The, the, again, the problem is I think it's so dark or I was so disinterested. I didn't realize this. So when Banna gets up and he's just cheeks out, I was like, I texted you all and I'm like, 
he's really sauntered into this car post Hulk dick. <laughs> no, no, you, you're, you're listen. There's gonna be some shrinkage. Look, I was Hulk. There's gonna be some shrinkage. I was it's, in the Hulk. Poor Hulk. Jennifer, I was Hulk. in the Hulk. Conley sitting in that car watching the whole thing. Like, I used to date him. <laughs> um, here's the thing, Mary McCheese. We we did talk about this earlier. Um, it was explicitly mentioned by the writers, I guess, that in this scene, the reason he gets pantless is because, yes, the dogs at some point in that dark and murky fight scene did bite his pants off. So, yes, that's why. That's the only time he loses his pants and the excuse or explanation is the dogs did it. I am not Thunder's Wizard, so I don't collect a lot of things like this. But if you can find me the script page that says dogs rip Hulk's pants off. I will buy and frame this. I have, I have see what I a little bit of money I can invest towards this. <laughs> I want the part where it bites his dick. And the poodle <laughs> now bites his penis. No, no, you gotta, you gotta say mutant poodle bites mutant poodle. Vanya Hulk's dick. <laughs> I just, someone had to write that. How how many dollars do you think got spent on? Oh, we're we're gonna do a crotch bite joke. With the mutant poodle and Hulk. After the 45 minutes of family matters? Yeah. Exactly. Kind of weird. And don't forget, we get the explicit ball punch, too. Oh, yeah. Like, he, Hulk looks over, sees the dog's dog testicles, and lines it up and drills him. He really <laughs> nails that dog like, right in the dog balls. And, and that's the point in the movie where you're like, wait a minute, who directed this again? Is this Michael Bay? Who, who is I might, Ang I might, Lee? Angly, we got dogs biting dicks and ball punches. Angly, the ice storm guy, sense and sensibility. What is going on here? I may change my. I was gonna go with the desert fight scene, but I might switch it to this after this conversation. <laughs> I don't like the dog fight, but it does have its moments. I'll give it that. <laughs> okay, um, so let's move on to act sequence number two, which is the desert fight, which is frankly classic Hulk action. It really is. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if you need to go like, further. I mean, it's pretty much exactly what you would expect from this movie when it does it right. Yeah, not not yep. just expect, but that's that's what I want when I go see a Hulk thing. It's the Hulk fighting the government because they're trying to capture him or whatever, and it's in the middle of nowhere, so I don't have to worry about, like, oh, shit, did they murder a bunch of people for this? Oh, it's in the desert, whatever. It, it's it's some free fun of murder or free fun of just destruction. It's great. Yeah, it's definitely it's definitely guilt free wanton destruction. Wanton yeah. destruction, like Mayor McCheese at a at an all you can eat Chinese buffet. Everyone is correct. This scene is the most fun because it allows you to just watch the Hulk do what the Hulk does, and then immediately after it's like. Hey, remember that cool thing King Kong did about beauty killing the beast? Let's do that. Let's do that right now. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> let's, let's do it. I also like that <clears throat> some of the some of the parts are slightly silly, where you see the Hulk run and you're like, <laughs> that is big old legs launching him about for no reason. <laughs> I will tell you, this is 2003, and this running scene makes Wonder Woman 84's running scene look like hot shit. But what about Blade 3? What is it compared to Triple H and Blade 3 when he runs after the car? <laughs> well, even Triple H running where he's going, looks Arr! better than Wonder Woman 84. So. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think Captain Cash made a great point earlier about this scene. It's also nice because it's out in broad daylight. 
It's very easy to follow the action. It's very clear. The Hulk looks good. And to your point, Mayor McCheese, he gets some personality. We actually see the Hulk have some personality here. Because one of my knocks on this, and I'll mention it later too, is that the Hulk doesn't talk in this movie. He does say puny human. Yeah, only, to... only in Banner's head. Yeah, he has an in, an inner monologue with Hulk, but the Hulk never yeah. outwardly expresses himself verbally to anybody else in the movie, which I think kind of takes away from the character a little bit. I'll be honest, having a mute Hulk, I mean, it's a decision, it's a choice, but I don't know if I agree with it because it makes the character seem even more uh, less than human. I mean, I don't want to make this a long conversation, but I will say that I don't think this is the best looking Hulk. I don't remember what um, Norton's Hulk looks like, but this one, it looks okay, but at the same time, it looks very weird to pay. And at sometimes the hair looks purple, which is confusing. Yeah. Norton's Hulk overcorrects the lack of muscular definition on this Hulk, where Agreed. it's too much. And then Ruffalo's like, this is the happy medium where you needed to be. You're too cartoony, and basically, you I mean, he looked like a CGI creation. Norton's is, like, very vascular, and then uh, Ruffalo's is perfect. Yeah. Uh, I guess this is a good time to mention that the face of the Hulk was a combination of Eric Bana, Ang Lee, and Jennifer Connelly. That's a that's a choice they made. <laughs> yep. Okay, why? Yep. And and uh, the do you guys know who the mocap actor was for the Hulk? Greg, uh, no. <laughs> was it a no. combination of Ang Lee, Jennifer? Oh wait, Connelly, no, it was Ang Lee, wasn't it? It was Ang. It was Ang Lee. Yeah, Ang Lee was the mocap actor. The mocap is also not the greatest on this this Hulk. It's just ah, uh, it it's not it's not super weak either. It could be better, but. Yeah, I, I think the mocap has improved in all the Hulk movies as they've gone along. And like you said, I do agree, Thunderous Wizard. I do think that the uh, Ruffalo Hulk CGI model is, is probably the, the best of the three by far. And not to mention the technology's come along uh, a lot since then, too. So, I mean, it's sort of unfair to compare. So, hey, let's move on to the third major action set piece in this movie. And that is the Daddy Duel. And uh, I, you know, I'll just say that it was way too dark, much like the dogfight. And it was too short. And I'm sorry, but the whole Zach's appearance, that's a deep pull. Like, not many people got that in theaters, I'm sure. I wouldn't have. Much like the end of this film, this is the wet fart of the movie. Like, it's visually a wet fart. It ends on a wet fart. Any one of the other action scenes would have been a better climax. It ends in a cloud i hate the end of this movie and, and, and i mean jog my memory and tell me if i'm wrong they spend let's say half an hour on the desert fight scene which kept going and it kept going in a good reason and then this like I mean, not only was i confused because i obviously don't know who zaz is but like i couldn't really see half the scene and then it got fairly confusing because I had no idea what the hell was going on between the ice thing that we discussed earlier and the Hulk powers. I mean, it it, it is. I mean, I'll agree with you, Cash. It is. A, I mean, it's a wet fart. And I don't know why you went that way. Yeah, the ending of this movie is not good at all. It doesn't make any sense. And you'd almost have been better served for him to get so angry at his dad, he stands up and crushes his head. 
and they try to st- neutralize him with the whatever thing he's in, and they can't stop him, and then they realize, like, oh, there is no stopping him. It's like, let Nick Nolte act. Let him do his thing, because it's awesome. Like, that entire scene is terrific with him. But the fight makes no sense. It's visually nonsensical. It's ridiculous. I'm going to make a bold statement here, and I think this is Ang Lee playing with comic book tropes and action movie tropes. I think, in his opinion, the human conflict between David and Bruce is the actual final conflict. And then this battle they have is like more of a metaphysical struggle they have. So he, I, I feel like he was trying to do something there with like, hey, their conflict is really philosophical. And then it turns into this metaphysical struggle for power. And again, it doesn't work. It doesn't work because it doesn't, it doesn't make sense. Like it's, it, it, I think he went for a high concept there and it just falls real flat. I, I agree completely. I guess in kind of closure here, you know, did this movie achieve what it set out to do? Probably what Ang Lee set out to do. I don't think it's a popcorn fun summer blockbuster, but clearly Ang Lee was aspiring to more than that. and It certainly is more than that if it's not particularly watchable. Uh, the yeah, tough thing tough is call. you're in a tough phase where comic book movies in the MCU haven't really established what they're going to make billions on. So they gave a great director a property to work with and he ran with it. And I think, you know, it probably achieved what he set out as his vision, but us watching it and then us watching it in retrospect, what this is 2003. So 18 years later, we're going to disagree, but we've also had 18 years of actual like blockbuster comic book movies between now and then. So it's tough to say. I mean, ultimately I would still go with no, cause I don't want to watch a two hour and 15 minute superhero movie that has this much weight in it. Yeah, no. And I'll just echo back to my comments about that final conflict, not working. I think that's kind of the, the bane of this whole movie's existence that I don't think Ang Lee achieved the emotional weight that he truly wanted to. Like he had this idea about trauma and, 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 you know, the daddy issues and that kind of stuff, but it didn't really work. It never quite meshed. Um, you know, so it turned out to be like a bloated semi-decent beat up movie, <laughs> you know, like the beat up stuff works. That was actually okay for 2003 it's the rest of the movie that drags it down and that's where i think his vision of this greek tragedy fell apart and and didn't ultimately deliver on what he wanted so i've got one more kind of quick fire question here because after watching this movie again after many many years of not watching it um it dawned on me that the hulk wasn't really a hero in this movie at all this is kind of a borderline hero movie it's it's got a superhero in it, but it's not really like a hero's journey or hero's story. It's kind of a weird in-between film. So what are your guys' thoughts? So here's my most immediate thought. Hulk on his own is not a superhero and actually works better when he's sort of played for horror. And the best example I can give of that is the current Immortal Hulk run, which I, I know I mentioned earlier in the pod. Hulk works in when he's part of a team as the, oh, Jesus, we've reached the Hulk-level threat, fucking let's launch the nuke that is the big green guy who's going to murder everything in a five-mile radius. But 
individually, he's not a superhero. So that's a that's a good angle to take. You shouldn't want to be the Hulk, right? And and that's that's where this movie fails, I think, because at the end of the day, every time Banner becomes the Hulk, it solves most of his immediate problems, and there are very little other consequences. Uh, let me jump in front of the bomb. Oh, it turned me invincible. And, and not only am I invincible, I feel good when I'm just me. Oh, someone's going to murder me in my own home. Well, I'll just turn into the Hulk and I'm I'm okay. Oh, the entire army wants to murder me? Oh, well, I'll just Hulk it up and we're good. Oh, my father wants to murder me? Oh, I'll just Hulk it up and I'm, I'm in Ecuador now. As almost every overstressed work in life dad would say, like, Essentially, the Hulk just wants to be left alone. He just wants some quiet time. <laughs> and essentially, he doesn't get it in this movie because it's the military constantly fucking with him. But if he would have just hulked out, went into the mountains and sat there and watched the sunset and then went home, like, all right. Yeah, he's not really a superhero. What is he, what is he saving? <laughs> yeah, he doesn't really save anything. Uh, he's not a bad guy or a good guy. He's pretty explicitly like a dangerous guy he likes getting angry he chokes betty at one point he's a good guy in the sense that he's not a straight up villain he's not a straight up villain but it's also like hey remember your dad is this horrible human being and you inherited those traits and it's like the sins of the father coming home to roost again if you just leave the dude alone he doesn't even go into hulk mode yeah but it's like like even before he becomes the Hulk, he can't lead a normal life because he's emotionally damaged. Like he's in love with Betty, but he can't let her in because he can't let people get too close. And then when he has the the unfortunate ability to get angry, then he's abusive. It's a re- it's like really deep on several levels, and it's not interesting on most of those levels because, yeah, like Captain Cash brought up, the Hulk's not a hero. So in this movie, he's not a hero. But if you're going to make him the central character in your movie, he has to be a hero. He just has to. Again, I don't know that he has to be a hero. I think it actually works better when there's some moral ambiguity around, wait, is is Hulk a good thing or a bad thing? I feel like we're we're towing that reshoot where we make a billion dollars and we have a horror movie that has the Hulk as as the Freddy Krueger. That would be so. That's yeah. basically what the immortal uh, Hulk is. Man, it's I, good. I think what you're missing here, Captain Cash, is that the movie that people want to see, your general audience, is they want to see, they do want to see the Hulk struggle with his Hulk persona. They want to see Bruce Banner struggle with his Hulk persona, but they want him to overcome it and eventually come to terms with it and control it to the extent that he can use it for good. That's really what your general audience wants to see. So if you're universal and you bring Ang Lee in to shoot your Hulk movie, that's what you're expecting because you want to sell toys, you want to sell theme park ride tickets, that's what you're going for. You're not going for the moral, uh, morally ambiguous Hulk. No, I, I agree completely. But my only thing I would add is simply that he learns to be a good guy is the arc when he's part of the Avengers where that was never a concept for this Hulk. I mean, I think the general original Hulk story is 
he just wants to be left alone. He doesn't want to even <laughs> even with the Norton one. Just, just I'm don't, fairly sure. Don't touch me. Don't touch me. He's just like I, I. Can I just do some science? I know some stuff is messed up with me, but it, can you guys just leave me alone? Yeah, and even Mark Ruffalo's Hulk, which is an extension of the Norton Hulk, has some dark stuff. You know, the whole bit about him trying to kill himself that was pretty heavy. Yeah. But anyway, hey, let's let's keep this thing moving. I got one last question before we roll into the break. How would you improve the movie? I'm going to start with you, Thunderous Wizard. What changes would you make? I, I already said it. You reorder the narrative. Uh, the flashbacks come at, at better times. Most of this movie is flashback. And then we finally see the Hulk really late. Like, just start it there and then unpiece the puzzle or start piecing together the puzzle of why he is the way he is. All right. Hey, Mary McCheese, you're up next. What you got? More Talbot. Give me more Talbot. If you want me to want a Hulk, absolutely just beat the shit out of somebody. I need more Talbot because that dude is the worst. <laughs> yeah, That's fair. I'm not going to lie. You had me in the first half. I was about ready to come through the fucking computer screen. I fucking hate Talbot, but you're, you're kind of right. The more I hate Talbot, the more I want to see the Hulk kick the shit out of him. I, so, I will say, there. too, the dude playing Talbot does a good job at being one of those assholes that, like, you can't reach him. Like, you can't hurt him. And then when the Hulk hulks out, you're like, oh, when he, Finally. Him, when he throws Talbot and the couch through the window, I was like, yeah, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> OK, hold on, hold on. I've got a, a quibble here. Uh, much like the nonsensical idea of putting Bruce and David together at the end of the movie. Right before we get that desert action scene, why do they have the severely injured Talbot trying to face off with the Hulk? The guy's got <laughs> one arm in a sling. He's got like a knee brace and some kind of back hip device. He's like limping around and like the guy's in no shape to face <laughs> off against but, but anybody. My... And he goes into the chamber and he starts slapping Bruce around. And that's what I don't get is, wait, why is Bruce taking this? Bruce doesn't even need to Hulk out to beat this guy up. Eric Bannock could just stand up and like punch the guy in his bad knee. And I mean, it's over. Again, that's my favorite part. He's hobbling around with that goddamn uh, screwdriver DNA extractor in a foam gun threatening the Hulk. <laughs> He can't even walk. The Hulk at this point <laughs> has has taken like a thousand rounds and he has a handheld screw that he's going to poke <laughs> through the hole. And Hit take him with the foam so I can screwdriver his neck. <laughs> to be fair, he does go for the eyes. Does it? Uh, that part was a little unnerving where he's got the screw gun. I don't know if he's going for Hulk's eyes or his forehead, but... The whole I time thought it was like, the eye. To me, it read the eye. I was like, I'll take more Talbot. Talbot is, a, he's almost, it's like he's channeling his inner Nick Nolte. He's like, I'm just going to be a crazy person. I'm going to act like a crazy person. Don't worry, guys. I'll get him. What are you going to do? I've got this handheld <laughs> screwdriver that I'm going to get him with. Well, I'm going I'm I'm to uh... limp slowly towards him. Yeah. No, I'm going to crutch my way up to him and get a DNA sample. I got it. I yell at him like, I need a DNA sample. <laughs> All right, so um, I, I've got a three-point plan to improve this movie. Um, first off, I, I believe that Captain Cash is 100% right. you got to have the Hulk much earlier in the film. And two, um, I do enjoy some of the interesting visuals that we got out of uh, Ang Lee, but he needed to use those better to make them more impactful. He had to give us more with those comic book 
transitions and panels. They just didn't pop the way they could have. And uh, the last one is you got to give Betsy something to do because she literally had nothing to do in this movie. You've got to use Jennifer Connelly better. You got to give her a better arc. So those are my three. She's lovelorn the entire movie. Yeah, that's the, it. She's like, just longing. Maybe I'm the only one who found it weird, but their first real interaction is her asking about his dead parents. Yeah, that was super weird. It's not organic at all. It's like, why don't you ever no. talk about them? It's like, I because I never met them, you weirdo. I don't know. It literally goes from her being like, oh, these Grant people are such jerks. And yeah. she's like, yeah, what about your dead parents? Hey, let's Wait, talk about There's your no trauma. Let's talk about your trauma, Bruce. Yeah. Well, all right, listener, we need to take a break and freshen up our Captain Dynamites before heading into the competitive portion of the pod. Up next is the Hulk is Smashed Trivia Challenge. But before that, here's a message from our beer-drinking brethren over at the Hop Nation USA podcast. Hey, everyone, this is Steve. And this is Adam. And we're part of the Hop Nation USA podcast. Pittsburgh's number three craft beer podcast. Join us every Friday for new beer reviews. We'll talk about the news, history, and homebrewing. Plus, we'll sit down with the best brewers and industry personalities that'll have us. So whether you're a casual drinker, a hazy boy hophead, or even if you're a whale hunting cellar hoarder, just search Hop Nation USA on Apple, Spotify, or your favorite podcatcher and join the nation. We did it, folks. We got all four of us. Fucking got him. We Nice! Ladies and gentlemen, we nice. got him. Nice! Excellent. Welcome back to Hops and Box Office Flops, presented by Wobam Entertainment. It's time for our Hulk is Smashed Trivia Challenge. It's our standard format, five questions, multiple choice, and tonight you are playing for a copy of the Incredible Hulk colon original soundtrack recording. That's right, a copy of the 70s TV show soundtrack, which includes the classic The Lonely Man theme. Somebody, play that sad walking away song from The Incredible Hulk. Anyway, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, what no, the real question is, what is our chime in? Oh, tonight's chime in is Hulk smashed. I like that. We can still do I'm gonna shoot, right? As always, uh, yes. just for the record, Danny Elfman did the score to this movie, and it's uh, mostly pretty good. Yep, except for the chant singing in the desert. I'm all in on the chant singing now, of course, you are. <laughs> sure, you are. I'm all in. Wait, now, is it Danny Elfman chant singing or Junkie XL chant singing? It's a big... It's a little bit different, but I've been yeah. on both. I've been on both. Okay. Okay. Yep. All right. Let's get this started. Question number one. Eric Bana wasn't Ang Lee's first pick for Bruce Banner. Which one of these actors wasn't offered the role before Banna was selected? So these are people that were even less liked by Ang Lee? <laughs> Uh, yes, you got to find the person that Ang Lee liked less than Banna. Oh, okay. okay. So, yes, several actors were offered the role before Banna. Which one of these wasn't one of them? We've got A, Billy Crudup, B, Tom Cruise, C, Edward Norton, or D, Jeff Goldblum. Uh, I'm going to shoot very angrily. Mm, that's an angry shot from the thunderous wizard yeah, what's your answer it's got to be gold bloom at this point come on no yeah. yes that is correct i lied yeah. earlier because i mentioned edward norton uh edward norton edward norton uh yes actually the role was offered to crud up cruise and norton 
Jeff Goldblum only screen tested for the movie along with Cash. Uh, uh, Cash, Dave, how did you not ring in on yeah, your David, boy Jeff Goldblum? I can't think of the others. Hey, by by a show by a show of yays, how many people on the pod have met Jeff Goldblum? I not only have I met Jeff Goldblum, I have given Jeff Goldblum a hug. So and yeah, shared the stage you, with him. You blew also, this question. You ruined this question. I uh, yeah. I I also did a Jeff Goldblum impression to Jeff Goldblum's face. Why don't you give us anger? We'll find a way. <laughs> and, or uh, yeah, uh, but no, yeah. Jeff Goldblum screen tested for this uh, along with David Duchovny and a couple other people. Oh my that, god! Uh, no. so, uh, <laughs> Hey, it was 2003, people. All right. So you guys, you guys uh, test gamma bombs. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that is one point for the Thunderous Wizard. He is in lead. That brings us to question number two. <laughs> this movie didn't have a ton of behind-the-scenes drama, but it did go through several scripts and development cycles before Ang Lee took over. Who was the villain in the original script? Was it A, Abomination? Was it B, Wendigo? Was it C, Mutant Bugman? Or D, The Red Hulk? I'm going to see it. That is Mary McCheese. I'm going to go A. Abomination? That is incorrect. <gasps> Thunderous uh, Wizard, Captain you, Cash, you wouldn't can like you like me when I'm angry. That will also work. I'll accept that. Thunderous Wizard? Uh, it was The Red Hulk. No chance. Red Hulk wasn't that, a thing in 2003. That is incorrect. I'm Captain gonna, Cash, you I'm got a 50 50 here. shot here. I, I think it was the Wendigo. Classic that Hulk. That would villain. have been super cool, and that would have maybe opened the door to Wolverine and a crossover, but no. In the original script, it was Mutant Bugman. Oh. So, oh, man. so here's my thing. I I guess was, Grey Hulk was a thing, and I would Grey have figured it was sequel. a sequel. But his, sequel. I figured his dad would have been the other version of Hulk instead of whatever he became. So Red Hulk is actually Thunderbolt, Thunderbolt. Ross. Yeah. yeah. Now, in the original script, uh, Bruce was a geneticist and he was working on bugs, not frogs. And there was an accident that turned the bugs into like he was working on prisoners or something. I don't really know, but they turned into mutant bug men and the Hulk had to fight them. Whatever. Did the, I mean, did the bugs also bite his dick or not? I mean, I can only assume so. I mean, I'm just bringing the hard hit question. Well, they were microscopic and they were called crabs. So, and that's the (laughs) second time the Hulk got crabs. You get them out with shampoo and this comb. Yep. I can only assume that, yes, there is a scene where he does get his dick bit by an insect, but then Hulk returns the favor and punches the giant mutant grasshopper man in the spermaphaca. So, but anyway, moving on. Question number three. Um, Thunderous Wizard still leads one to nothing. Before Eric Bana made it in Hollywood as an actor, he was best known for his TV work in Australia. What type of show made him famous down under? Was it A, a soap opera? Was it B, a sketch comedy show? Was it C, reality TV? Or D, a cop procedural? I'm going to see it. Damn it. Mary McCheese? A. That is incorrect. Although that is oh. a pretty common Aussie TV to movie path, but not in this uh, Yeah, case. I mean, that's that's kind of what oh, I want there. Yeah. You wouldn't like me when I'm angry. 
Oh, that goes to Thunderous Wizard. Damn it. It's a cop procedural. That is incorrect as well. Oh, Again, Captain Cash, you have a 50-50 shot Cash, here. You, I mean, this you is really insane. are falling, You're falling backwards into these answers. Yeah. You're not getting correct. Okay, you've got a 50-50 shot here. Is it B, sketch comedy, or C, reality television? Oh, my God. I mean, the worst part about the last two is I literally would have made the exact <laughs> same guesses in the same order. I'm not going to lie to you. I couldn't pick either of these if I was in your shoes. Yeah, so listen, my instincts have clearly been fucked this entire time. <laughs> so I'm going to go reality television because that's definitely what I don't think the correct answer is. It's sketch and comedy. you would be correct. That oh, it's is not it? the correct answer. It yeah. is sketch comedy. Sketch comedy. Damn it! And I just, what is Eric actually, it, it just uh, occurred to me. Doesn't he mention this in the movie Funny People? Like, Yes, he was a comedian in Australia. He was on a sketch comedy show called full frontal for several seasons and he even had a comedy album there's no there's no goddamn way he, he was a comedian he was not a legit actor until he started in the role uh in this movie chopper and that's what ang lee saw him in yep. and said oh that's the guy i want yep. after everybody else turned the role down yep. i mean Still don't believe fine it. in troy ben has been in lots of stuff yeah, not gonna I, believe. I'm not gonna believe that he's in a comedy show. There's no find find me find me the show and I'll watch. We'll find some clips. He's got a comedy album for crying we'll, out loud. Watch Chopper and you'll be like, oh no, no way. Yeah, Chopper's pretty dark <laughs> shit, man. Watch Chopper to reinforce yeah. my theory that there's no <laughs> fucking way that this is actually correct. So this is slightly disappointing uh, outing here, gentlemen. But the Thunderous Wizard still Riddle. holds the lead at one to zero to zero. Uh, we have now got to question number four, which is Universal was planning for a sequel. Which one of these characters was not set to appear? Not set to appear. A all of them. A, Abomination, B, The Leader, C, Rick Jones, or D, The Grey Hulk? Oh, son of a bitch. Uh, you wouldn't like me when I'm angry. Captain Cash. I really, like, I was hoping you were going to say Doc Sampson, because that would have been my move. But I, I think the answer is Rick Jones, because Rick Jones should have been there to begin with. And that is correct. Rick Jones was not part of the planned sequel. It was going to include both the Abomination, the Leader, and the Grey Hulk would make an appearance, which, which would be a, just a different version of the Green Hulk. Seems like you'd need a different director to then make this an actual comic book yeah, movie. Yeah, 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 yeah. Semantics, <laughs> semantics. Uh, okay, it's now tied at one-to-one -one between the Thunderous Wizard and Captain Cash. Still zero points for... Mayor McCheese, but he could tie it all up here on question number five. Doubtful. Lou Ferrigno Jr. appeared on the CW show Stargirl as which DC character? Is it A, Our Man? Is it B, Solomon Grundy? Solomon Grundy wants pants too. Is it <laughs> pants, C, a decent pair of pants? Is it C, Eclipso, or D, Dragon King? I never watched It would Star like Girl, me when I'm so... angry. I believe that goes to Captain Cash because the Thunderous Wizard was just bemoaning the fact he doesn't watch Stargirl. What you got, Captain Cash? So, Grundy is too obvious a choice. Dragon King. That is incorrect. Damn it! Uh, I'm gonna shoot... <laughs> Wait, is, is that is that the angry Hulk coming? Yeah, out? that that is that is probably the worst timeline oh. where 
it's uh, the thunderous wizard doing MacGruber as the Hulk. So wait, the you Hulk know, as wait, the Hulk has both a mullet and a mustache, and is angrily coming. <laughs> he so, has so, a so mullet, a mustache, and a thing of celery. <laughs> yeah, and at a certain point, that much uh, exposure to copy toner does strange things to your endocrine system. So, but yeah, uh, that goes to you, Thunderous Wizard. Your remaining answers are A, Our Man, B, Solomon Grundy, or C, Eclipso. I feel like since Captain Cash said this should be the obvious answer, which I also thought was the obvious answer, I'm going with Solomon Grundy. <laughs> Uh, that's incorrect. Solomon oh, Grundy's a hundred percent CGI oh, in Star Girl, and also uh, Lou Ferrigno Jr. is not nearly as big as his dad. Mayor McCheese, you've got a fifty-fifty shot here to tie things up. Is it A. Our Man or C. Eclipso? Grundy wants fans too. I'm gonna go with C. Eclipso. Oh, I am sorry. You are wrong. He makes a cameo appearance as <laughs> Our Man, the father of Our Man 2, who actually is a reoccurring character in the series. So tonight's winner is uh, a tie between Captain Cash and the Thunderous Wizard. You guys get to split the prize. You guys have to split the record. You guys can have like an alternating weekends or something like that. We'll work out yeah, some sort of like custody a, agreement. timeshare or custody. Yeah. Just remember, guys, he's not my man. He's... Not your man. He's our man. So just, just want to throw no, that out I'm there. Done. I'm getting off the pot oh. now. God damn it. That's it. Yeah. Peace out. <laughs> Good night. <laughs> okay. You, well, that. Hey, hold on. You're an asshole. Don't ever do that again. <laughs> Uh, that was good, actually. Oh, no, it was very good. That's why it makes me so mad. <laughs> hey, so hey, uh, uh, Mayor McCheese, do you know what our man's powers are? No, I have no fucking clue. He's a Silver Age character back with the old Green Lantern in the goofy costume. And basically, he had some sort of like drug concoction that he would take and he would chug it and he would turn into Superman for an hour. That's why he was our man, because oh, he God. only lasted for an hour. That's ridiculous. <laughs> that is the most ridiculous shit of all time. Oh. Yeah. I mean, so I think it. Essentially, like, it. they eventually... Back in the day, during uh, Captain Cash's drug days, as he describes most of these comics, <laughs> they invented a Superman Viagra that turns you into Superman for an hour. For an hour, yep. <laughs> yes. If, if your drug concoction lasts longer than an hour, go to your local hospital. <laughs> You gotta call your doctor under those circumstances. <laughs> like, sir, what have you been ingesting? I don't know. I've been taking this superhero cocktail. Like, sir, this is just this is just an eight ball. <laughs> man, normally, normally I'm hour man, but I wanted to be eight hour man, and now there's a problem. <laughs> I'm just completely turgid for the, for the last six hours. Oh my god! <laughs> All right, um, that brings us to recommendations. And also to the close of our Hulk pod. <laughs> oh, it was painful. We definitely had to sulk our way through it. So uh, I'm going to put this up to you three. Who would like to go first and give their recommendation? What you got? Okay. So continuing my uh, Oscar watch along or watch party, whatever you want to call it. I've now watched Mank, which is free on Netflix, which is the story of screenwriter Herman J. Mankiewicz who was the real writer of Citizen Kane, uh, stars Gary Oldman. He's playing somebody in their 40s. So, again, if Nick, if Nick Cage could play 
30. I guess Gary Holtman can play 40. He's, Works for me. He's actually great in it, though. It's a really good story. A lot of the politics in the movie mirrors some of the stuff we're seeing right now. I think you, you'll like it. It's exceptionally well-written. It was directed by David Fincher. Uh, it's it's so good. And it's free. It's on Netflix. Watch it. It's an all-black-and-white it gives you a great glimpse into old Hollywood, uh, at the beginning of which is still the Great Depression, and then into the 1940s. I liked it a lot. And also, raise your hand on the pod here. Who has seen Citizen Kane? Nope. I have not. And now, like, I, I want to because you always hear the legend of Orson Welles, but it turns out he's probably a little bit full of shit because, yeah, he directed and produced and starred in Citizen Kane, but he didn't write Citizen Kane. And that's what it's really known for, is how exceptionally well written it is. And he hired this guy who was a drunk and was blackballed, essentially, and said, hey, do this, but don't take credit. And then in the end, Mankiewicz said, no, I want credit. This is the best thing I've ever written, and I want to be known for it. Yeah. And uh, I have watched the movie. Um, I'm not a huge classic film buff. But yeah, to your point, Thunderous Wizard, it does still resonate today um it's a little old timey in some parts and it's it's obviously the pacing is a little you know uh, indicative of the times but there's a reason it's considered like one of the best if not the best movie of all time it is a very interesting story and then it also helps if you research uh william randolph hearst yes who the movie yeah. really about that's like, a huge it, part of it yeah because because at the time it had more context so you have to research a little bit to get the same context but yeah it's I, I might have to check that out because that sounds pretty interesting. You would actually, yeah. you would actually love it. The movie's just as much about the process of him writing this movie as it is about how he decided to write it about this person who he, he was a f- personal friend with, which is William Randolph Hearst, played by the great Charles Dance. So, yeah, yeah. excellent, excellent. It's a, it was really good. That's a very cool, almost meta recommendation. Captain Cash, Mary Cheese, who wants to go next? So, I think as of our recording today, this Duck might Tales be has been renewed. It's not. <laughs> God damn it! I wish it. What? What? What out? Woo! Duck Tales is is officially canceled, but it, it ended on a high note, so it's fine. Uh, but I totally do have canceled. another cartoon to recommend. It is on Amazon Prime, and it is Invincible. It's Robert Kirkman's thing. I, I'm not going to lie, it it very much is in the vein of The Boys for level of intense violence. So this isn't a cartoon you should watch with uh, a- any children at all under any circumstances. It's a very much a hard R thing. And to tell you why it becomes that sort of ruins it if you don't know what Invincible is to begin with. Uh, uh, Invincible has been around since 2003 or four. Uh, and was developed for Image Comics, and it's kind of a gag. His whole costume sort of mirrors the the Image logo. But it's actually a really good comic. It's got, or a really good uh, show. It's got J.K. Simmons as the uh, the father of the lead character, who is played by Glenn from The Walking Dead. You've got Sandra Oh as Glenn's mom, just, and Jillian Jacobs from... A community as one of the love interests worth your time who else is in it jason oh wait jason Musakis, who is in ducktales 
is also in Invincible. So there you go. It, comes full, it always comes full circle. All right, you're up, Mary McCheese. So you guys know I love audiobooks, so I've, I'm circling back and doing, I think it's my now second or two and a half, because I misstarted on one of them, listen through of a book called Justin Cronin's The Passage, which if you like end-of-the-world um, vampire shit, this book is phenomenal. It's actually one of a three-part series. If you're going to get involved, plot out the time because the audio, the first audiobook is 30 hours to listen to, but cool. it is incredibly well-written. I mean, the, the writing is very rich and in-depth and it's, it's easy to listen to. And if you're someone like me, who's in the car a lot, I, I've listened to this whole series at least once and I'm going back through it just because I've run out of other things. Um, and I think they made a TV show out of it actually for, in like the last two years. I just never got around to watching it. I, the books are great. If you, if you like the books, check out the passage, check out the TV show. If, um, if that's easier, let me know what you think about it. That is my recommendation. Wait, is that the show with Zach Morris? I guess apparently. I've never actually watched the show, but now looking at the cast list, I guess it's Zach Morris, which kind of angers me. But the, the, all, all I will say, the, I know, I will tell you that the books are great. I don't know about the TV series. Yeah, and uh, if you're interested in it, just read the book because the show was canceled. <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, re if you're interested in it and... I would give the first book a shot and you'll know within the first, uh, if you're doing the audio book, two to three hours, if it's something for you, if it's not, then just quit at that point. Cause the first book is 30 hours and the next two books are equally as long. So I don't know if you really want to invest that much time, but wow. I, I, I thoroughly enjoy it. That's Snyder cut esque. Okay. Uh, so here's my recommendation. Check out Brainiac colon transmissions after zero. It's a 2019 documentary about a nineties alternative band Dayton, Ohio. Shout out to Ohio. Uh, Brainiac was one of the most popular indie bands in the mid nineties. And they were literally days away from signing with a major label before tragedy struck. Sadly, they never got their big break. Before they could sign with a major label, their charismatic frontman, Tim Taylor, died in a tragic car accident. It's an interesting look back at the mid-90s indie-slash-alternative rock scene and how this influential and highly popular band literally disappeared overnight. Uh, you can find it on Amazon Prime, and yes, the breeders are mentioned. Fuck y'all, we're from Dayton. Uh, that was one of the, the Brainiac guys, like slogans on the back of their t-shirts. They toured with Beck. They toured with Lollapalooza. They were a big deal. Uh, they were kind of like an industrial, like alternative rock band. And it's a really good documentary. You get to see some cool stuff about how the band formed. They talk about the rise to fame with the existing members. And then it all culminates with a reunion slash tribute concert they had a couple of years ago. It's a really cool documentary. And just for the record, it's literally a tragedy. The lead singer had bought an old beat up. I think it was a Mercedes and it had an exhaust leak that was coming up through the trunk. And he was driving this car around 
and he actually succumbed to carbon monoxide poisoning and crashed just because he didn't realize the fumes were actually getting into the cabin of the car. And yeah, it's really a tragic story. It's kind of like one of those like greatest bands you've never heard of kind of thing. So yeah, check it out on Amazon Prime. Cool, 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 cool. Thanks for satting up the pod. Yeah, I mean, that kind of appropriate for the Hulk pod, though. Ang Lee approves. Yeah, can we get the sad walking away music now? Somebody, somebody sad walking away music. And that brings us to the end of our pod. And thank you for joining us tonight, loyal listener. And don't forget, you can find the pod anywhere you find your finer podcasts. And you can follow us on social media at Hops and B.O. Flops on Twitter and Instagram. You can find the Thunderous Wizard at WriterTLK on Twitter. Captain Cash at C-A-P-T-C-A-S-H on most of your social medias. And you can find Mayor McCheese on Twitter at H-B-O-F McCheese. Thunderous Wizard, what do we have lined up for next week's pod? All right, so uh, next week's going to be super fun. We're not transitioning into our next series quite yet. We're going to do another HBO Max special, and we're going to get super angry with Godzilla versus Kong. So initial predictions, Godzilla or Kong. We'll start with you, Thunderous Wizard, because I'm sure you're going to be the only one. Go ahead. Well, I'm a Kong guy through and through. I'm probably the biggest both. I mean, I'm obsessed with the Godzilla movies as well, but Kong's my guy. I got to root for Kong. I mean, I have to go against you here because, no offense, Kong Monkey, Godzilla has some sort of laser. Laser breath, breath atomic breath. It's yeah, just nuclear a big fire monkey. breath. Yeah. No, no, I. I Monkeys I, and gonna, gorillas are, cheer, are, are very different I'm things. I'm going to cheer for Large Monkey, but Godzilla's got an unfair. Oh, certainly here. he does. But you know what? King Kong is very strong. And he could swing Godzilla around by his stupid big goofy tail and throw him as if he were the uh, top portion of a tank like the Hulk does in this movie. And if we're lucky, we'll get 40 minutes at the beginning about Kong's yes. retrospective of how, yes. yeah, about Lots how of he's so sad that he's a monkey. <laughs> Kong climbs the Empire State Building. Godzilla literally levels okay, Tokyo. Okay, well, now you're being Kong, ridiculous because you understand that he can't be the same size as he was in the first movie. Godzilla could <laughs> pick up Kong as though he was a toddler and throw him into the air and catch him again. Listen, and, I, I and want then the, Mothra catches this him. This would be a very short movie, a but a very, very enjoyable short. movie. He's where, not like right? a, just a giant gorilla. He's actually going to be gigantic. <laughs> Otherwise, it'd be would, Godzilla just stepping on him. I want to see that. Over. I want to see the lead-ins where it's Kong being Kong, and then Godzilla being Godzilla, and then they show up in the same city, and Godzilla's <laughs> forty times the size, yeah. and he literally picks him up. And just, just picks, him, picks him up and, and like like rocks him like a baby. Oh, that's my Kong. He's a little baby Kong. Carl Denham goes <laughs> action. Like he goes. Oh shit! I thought that would be better. <laughs> He's dead. Uh, Br- bring in the stunt Kong. Yeah. I mean, it, stunt Kong. I will say stunt that it, it it does look like it's going to be a badass movie. I, I am excited for the film. I agree. Well, that's it for this episode. It's time for us to hit the road. Thumbs up, fellas. You know the drill.